But we can change that. We can change that with something pretty simple. You do not need an app for this. You do not need a credit card. You do not need an 800 number. What you need is a conversation. A conversation. 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 The conversation. An exchange between great minds. Hi guys, we're back from break. Uh, today we're going to talk about soccer. We have an awesome conversation planned for you. It's episode 15. Enjoy. Hi everybody, today I'm with Tom, Luca, and Max. We're going to talk about some soccer today. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, first off, I think really the in terms of the coronavirus, what's, it, what it has really been impacting is, I think, the transfer market because clubs may have less money, especially in the lower leagues, although I guess we're not too interested about the lower leagues. But, how, I mean, really, how do you guys think that, I guess, the COVID will affect transfers specifically in the big teams, for example, in the Prem? Um, I guess, well, I'll start. I'll, I think those teams with – Lots of money won't change their spending habits. Uh, transfer markets already inflated, and you know um, people aren't going to budge because even though people have less money to spend, uh, they also need to keep bringing money in. So the I think that like one prime example is like Jaden Sancho's transfer. Like Dortmund are not budging from a hundred and twenty million dollar valuation, even though um, even through coronavirus they're like not accepting any. Uh, lower offers because of COVID. And so I think that's like, that's a prime example of teams that even though um, teams have less money to spend uh, and I guess less leeway because of the virus, they're going to keep spending as much money as they can um, to get the players that they want. Um, I, I think, yeah, so totally. I think though, you know, being a Liverpool fan, what's kind of annoying at the moment is that, you know, so FS. Of course, our owners, they're great. Fenway Sports Group, uh, management group, uh, whatever you call it. I mean, they're great owners. I mean, they've really, like, they've allowed, like, a solid construction of a team, especially, like, signing Klopp. It's been amazing. But the thing about them is that they're very, very cautious. You know, they're not going to shell out hundreds millions of dollars each year um, to get a player that they think is okay. So the thing is, is that I think, you know, like, last year, of course, Liverpool didn't have any signings. This year, I think we were linked with a bunch of signings. But in, in all, like for example, Werner, for example. But the thing is, is that that, I think, will never happen because of, you know, I think FSG is already very cautious. But on top of it, with coronavirus, you know, they're financially, I don't think they're willing to, um, say, c- compromise their position. Um, they're not willing to take any risks. So, of course, being a Liverpool fan, it's kind of annoying. But I think, I think it's really, again, like Max said, it's really um, about each team has its own, uh, it's, it's, you know, every team is going to be different, right? Uh, but just then again, I think the, the difference between Liverpool and other teams is that Liverpool just blew every other team out of the water. And they have that core of players that aren't aging. And that was $100 million signings. For like Manchester United, though, who ended the season very, very well, um, they they are most likely going to try for a title push next year. And so they're going to need that like $100 million signing to uh, unlock that team potential and try to fight for that title. Yeah, sure. Uh, Tom, what do you think about this? No, I also think that's an interesting point because Liverpool, I wouldn't change their squad this year. I mean, they're going to be competitive no matter what next year. You look at the players, you end up in the Premier League with such a difference with the second teams. The teams below have to change something. But the first team, seeing 
and then they, they have to do something in the Champions League, but it's not going to be by adding another player that they're going to be more that they're going to perform better. I think the interesting part about this transfer market is going to be the swaps because some clubs are going to be willing to swap their players in order to not pay a transfer fee or just pay like a 10 million rather than buy a whole new player. And that's going to be interesting because in the past years, few years, the clubs are not willing to budge because they're not seeing potential in swapping. So it's going to be interesting, like Pjanic, exactly. And uh, I was going to say, um, to bounce off of what Max said about um, COVID and um, transfer value, um, what I found really interesting is that there's still a lot of young players getting transferred. For example, Victor Ozimhen, um, who went to Napoli for 70 million. I mean, that, that's just crazy, I think, in, in, in a world where, um, you know, his, his value is probably about 20 million less. Um, and he's just, he's a very good player. Don't get me wrong, but he's still very unproven. And, uh, for him to go to a team, um, where he, like, he doesn't even speak Italian yet. So he, he's, uh, I mean, he has to really prove himself and it's just crazy in, in a global pandemic like this. Um, we could still have deals like that. So, okay, I think, yeah, great responses all around. Um, I think you guys really think of, you know, think about this in a very critical. Uh, uh, the main, I think the main reason um, teams are spending this much money on such young players like Napoli and Ozyman is that um, they're, they're banking a lot on potential and longevity and sell on value. And so they're really like, it's less about proven uh, players and more about like what they think they can become. And so it, it seems a little weird, but it's kind of like they're paying for a future version of the player. Um, like Mbappe, they bought, PSG bought him at 19 for like 145 with 35 million in add-ons. That's an insane amount of money for such an unproven player, but it's really paid off. Time though, Mbappe, uh, the last season before in Monaco, he had a lot of success. I mean, he was a really great striker even at that very young age. So, but at the same time, uh, if he goes to Mania, which we're not sure about, do you guys think it's a flop or it's a success? Um, personally, I think um, you can't really compare. I mean, you can compare if one's better or not, but um, I mean, you can't really compare uh, a winger to a striker. Um, but I do think that, like, you, you can't just say, um, it will turn out in the same way that Mbappe went to uh, um, PSG. But I feel like Sancho really has uh, uh, huge potential. And he's been wanting to come to England. And it looks like Manchester United want him the most. I mean, uh, we've obviously seen that Chelsea uh, brought in two new signings. Um, so, it, like, Manchester United have the highest chance of getting him. And Sancho knows that um, it, that is, like, England is the place for him to play. I, I mean, he, he, he obviously loves Dortmund, and his game has been incredible there. But I, I think um, moving to Manchester United just really won't affect him in, in a negative way. But, I mean, we'll see what he could do under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And uh, I'm, I mean, I think, I think it could turn out pretty well.
if they use him correctly. Yeah, you know, I think um, – so, yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, he's a good player. Why wouldn't he be good at Man United? But, I mean, <laughs> I think, you know, whenever I, I hear Man United, big signing, a lot of money, you know, I feel like it's doomed to fail. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like, every time they, they spend big, like Di Maria, they, uh, they, they spend a lot of money on Di Maria. And he, he did okay, but he was sold the next season. And I think that, honestly – if I were Man United, I wouldn't get Sancho because I, like, based on this season and based on um, I, what I see in Greenwood's potential, Mason Greenwood, I think that I would favor put, uh, putting him in the team and really having him play week in, week out because as he's shown in the limited time he's played, he's, uh, he's really um, done well. I think... Just to add on, I think uh, the green Greenwood is a, such a great example of what clubs are going to start doing right now. Is starting to look at their young, at their academy, rather than bringing in players. And I think that's going to be the new market because with the financial crisis, some few clubs can allow themselves to spend a hundred million dollar on the players, where the smaller clubs should focus on their youngster rather than buying in. I think just really quick to go off that, I think that's that's going to be kind of what dictates in the lower leagues who goes who who stays afloat and who doesn't. Those that have really invested in the youth academies and have that foundation are the ones that I think are going to survive. So I mean, we mentioned, say for example, um, I guess Man United, uh, you know, Sancho. I mean, at the same time, Man United they have defensive problems. Of course, Maguire is. I mean, it's really not that great, uh, even though they bought him for so much. Um, and I mean, also we see like Chelsea with, you know, these like transfers for, I think it was, you know, Werner and Ziyech and, you know, their defense also has problems and arguably the same thing for Arsenal. Do you think these, a lot of these teams, they need to like focus on buying some defenders or, I mean, like, what are they going to do? Right. I mean, Manchester city already did this, but it's, it's been known that um, most teams don't spend big on defenders. Uh, just like, I don't know. It seems to be a general rule. Like, Chelsea has a lot of defenders, but they didn't pay enormous amounts of money for any of them. And I think that that's, that's going to be a problem for a lot of teams because the, the unwillingness to spend big on defenders really comes to hurt them in the end, and they always end up suffering in the league because of it. I think the biggest example of this is PSG. I mean, just today I read a rumor saying that, he's, uh, that Leonardo is going to meet with Cristiano Ronaldo's agents. They're focusing on buying Cristiano Ronaldo when they're losing Thiago Silva and other key players in their defense, and half of them are getting hurt. I mean, you look at Kozawa and, and all those players. PSG has a great front three, and they're not focusing on their defense nor on their midfield. I mean, every year there's a new midfielder who arrives at PSG, and every year they have a midfield problem. And so that's where the focus isn't there, I think. I mean, to talk about uh, what, um, what's been said about Chelsea and Manchester City, um, I mean, it's kind of a known fact that um, the Premier League teams don't really care much about um, buying defenders um, because, I mean, you see, uh, it, a lot of the, uh, the, the teams just have, um, you know, like players that you can make fun of, like Mustafi, um, I mean, it's it's like, um, I mean, the matter of the fact is is that um, 
I feel like these teams are are not realizing how um, defense is just so important. I mean, if you look at Liverpool, for example, you have uh, Van Dijk, uh, top three for the Ballon d'Or in 2019. And he's completely um, transformed the team. I mean, he's the best player on that team. And, um, and, like, you also have um, Joe Gomez, for example, very young English player who's looking really good and who can transform at Liverpool. And if you put both of those players together and hope that uh, Van Dyke doesn't regress by the time that Gomez is in his prime, I mean, I, I think you'll have an unstoppable um, Liverpool defense. Yeah, and, I, again, so we talked about how, you know, shelling – out a lot of money for these defenders is very important. And that's what Liverpool did, right, with Van Dijk. Uh, you know, that huge transfer, who was, what was it, like 70 million? I mean, for, it was the largest transfer in its time for a defender. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it really, I think it really does produce results. At the same time, though, of course, I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, you guys are the experts. Um, but, <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know if there really are that many world-class defenders out there up for the, you know, up for the taking. I mean, maybe the only one possibly is like Koulibaly, but I mean, I, I think compared to like, say five or, you know, 10 years ago, uh, I mean, there are just less very good defenders. What do you guys think? Yes, no, possibly. Yeah, I think the defense market is much smaller than the strikers because for example, the press, they're going to talk about who is scoring goals rather than who is stopping goals. I mean, a goalkeeper who misses a save is going to be criticized, whereas a striker who misses an easy shot is going to be, oh, well, he missed one shot but scored a goal. We're only going to be remember the goal. And I think that's why there are less defenders on the market. Okay, then. So um, let's go to the champion. Let's talk about the Champions League. Uh, we had some matches yesterday. Uh, I mean, it was kind of crazy, you know, uh, Real Madrid uh, with Ver- with the Veron goal. That was uh, a bit insane, um, almost like a Loris Karius miss. Um, but re- yeah, so, you know, we're in the, we just got out of the round of 16. What are you guys thinking? Who's who's going to win it? I'll go first. I think Bayern Munich has have the most potential of going through. I mean, you just look at their games yesterday. Come on, with Lewandowski scoring the most goal, it's a shame the Ballon d'Or isn't going this year because he will win it or else it's just another scandal like the few years that have gone by where it's only Messi and Ronaldo. But, you know, it's Bayern Munich have the most potential because you look at their midfield, they're solid. Their goalkeeper is still a world-class goalkeeper. I mean, Manuel Neuer is still in his prime even though he's not that young anymore. And then... You look at the midfield where they got Corentin Tobiso last year or two years ago, and he has really stuck in, and he's come back from injury, and it's going to be interesting. I mean, if Coman is able to come back as well, they're going to be unstoppable. And Barcelona have no chance this week. Uh, Munich, you guys agree? So, the thing, so here's what I think. Um, I think it really hinges on a lot of injuries. Like PSG have a lot of injuries right now. Um, it seems short-term injuries, hopefully short-term injuries for me. Um, but I think the final, it's going to be, um, it's going to probably be uh, Bayern Munich. And then on the other side, I would I would think PSG because 
Um, I think Leipzig without Werner is going to be an easy, easy, easy win for uh, Atletico and um, PSG Atalanta. I think it's going to be a high scoring game, but in the end, PSG will make it through. Um, and then if Mbappe is back before the PSG Atletico game and Verratti's back, then I think they'll make it to the final. Um, but I do think um, Bayern are the favorites, especially given they're like, they have like 19 game, 19 game win streak right now. It's insane. Um, and I don't think they're going to slow down. So yeah, I'm, I'm betting on Bayern. So I think, I think right now the funnest team to support is Olympique Lyonnais. Of course, uh, moving past Juventus though, yeah, uh, really insane. Uh, it's also my favorite team in France, coincidentally. So that was awesome match. I had a great time. But I mean, also Man City. I mean, do you guys think they'll find? Do you think there's a chance they can finally win it? I mean, of course, I hope not being a, a Liverpool fan just to see them suffer. Uh, want to see suffer all of the teams other than Liverpool and my boys Arsenal. But yeah, what do you guys think? Well, no, Man City will be faced with the biggest with a. With a challenge, but it's Olympique Lyonnais. I mean, sure, they're going to have less games in their legs, but they played a good games against Juventus. Let's, let's face it. I mean, they were strong defensively. The, strong, the, the youngster, Cacré, played a really good game for his age, and they were able to foul intelligently. But Manchester City has been playing very well since the restart by scoring goals, five nails, three nails putting goals whenever they can. They don't have Sergio Aguero, but that doesn't seem to be a problem for them. With Kevin De Bruyne at the top of his form, Man City will go through easily. I mean, Olympique Lyonnais can probably score a goal, can probably hold, but they're going to break soon enough. And with the coaching of Guardiola, it's going to be interesting. So, just I, my dream would be a final Olympique Lyonnais PSG. That, that, that's, a, that's a dream. But I think uh, the thing is, though, like, we, I think it was either last year or two years ago. Um, Man City lost to Lyon in the group stage. They, uh, they, 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 they had, I think, all their fit players. They probably played rotated team, um, to be honest. But I think Lyon know that it's possible, and a lot of those players from two years ago are still at that club. And so I think that they're going into the game with like the belief that they can beat the Man City because they have. Um, and I think just also the change of the tournament style from two leg to a single leg will work in some teams advantage to some teams advantage like PSG, especially because they always do very well in the first leg and then choke in the second, they beat Barca four nil, then lost like five or six one. And then they, they, they beat Manchester United two nil and then they lost three one. So I think, and um, yeah, so I, I think that it, the, the one game, like one game uh, ties are going to be beneficial to some. Well, you know, PSG is going to have difficulty like Manchester City in the same way that they're playing with the pressure. Olympique Lyonnais, Atalanta, they don't have any pressure. If they go through, oh well, great job for them. If they don't go through, they played against a beast who doesn't have the same budget and who doesn't play the same type of football. So I think Atalanta is able to is going to, able to be able to do something, and Lyon. Oh well, we have faith in them. You know, they 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 will play without stressing or anything. And then on the Atletico Madrid side, Atletico have the most probability to go through. 
to the finals out of the four teams who are there? Um, you know, I think I think that's a good you know good idea. You know, this co uh, conception, the idea of pressure. How how is this going to affect teams? And I think really, I mean, Manchester City. <laughs> if they're you know in terms of teams that are feeling pressure, I mean, Manchester City is really you know it's really up there because I mean they've been wanting to win this you know this cha the Champions League for so long. It's been there you know every season they're like we're going to win it, we're going to win it, and uh, you know it's 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 you know it's like four years now and they still haven't won it. So I think it you know. I think it definitely will hurt him, really. Uh, and so, I mean, why not, why not have uh, Olympique Lyonnais uh, pass through? So, sure, I mean, uh, before, you know, moving on to Arsenal, which I uh, know you guys are all super excited to talk about. Uh, Luca, what do you think about, you know, this, you know, the Champions League right now? State of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, just first of all, um, I mean, uh, imagine if we have some sort of situation like we did uh, in, I think it was uh, 2016 or 2017, where um, Monaco faced Manchester City in the quarterfinals. Um, I mean, it would be really, I mean, I'm not really supporting any team, but it would be really awesome to see another one of those um, underdog situations um, where uh, Olympique Lyonnais uh passed through and and uh it, it's just i mean that the game of soccer is just so fun to watch because of these these games and uh it it it's just like um you're you're very uh anticipated and it, it's it, it's really uh it, it's these quarterfinals matches look really promising so um I mean, it's it's a little bit sad to see teams like Dortmund go, uh, teams like Liverpool go. But at the end of the day, um, there is that really fun competition, um, and it it it's just really been a pleasure to watch the Champions League. And hopefully, we'll have just as much fun as we did before um, the pandemic. Awesome conversation, guys. But the real news of the year, Arsenal beating Chelsea in the FA Cup final. It was crazy. Uh, I, saw, I remember so I saw the highlights because, I mean, I couldn't see the game in person. Uh, but and then I also saw, of course, AFTV Troops' reaction. Legendary. What a guy. Um, I mean, it was what a – you know. But really, I mean, do you guys think this is uh, – you know, this will be a flop? or a blip, sorry, or do you think it will be the start of a brand new world of Arsenal, um, you know, being the new team, really? So, uh, first of all, I'd like to say that I'm very, very happy. Um, I mean, it's been a terrible season, terrible season for Arsenal. I think they finished ninth or tenth. I don't even know where they finished. It, they, it was obviously like the start was awful. We, we got, but we got rid of that fraud, Emery. Uh, um, put Arteta in his shoes. And um, I mean, things started to look really good. Um, I mean, the team overall is just way more fun to watch. Uh, certain players like Xhaka, Tierney, they're, they're playing a lot better under Arteta. Um, 
And I mean, the FA Cup for us, it's like winning the Premier League after the, the terrible season we've had. It it's honestly it's it's crazy. Um because that cup literally reinstored confidence into our entire squad. There's been reports from uh, various um, uh, news outlets in Europe that Aubameyang is close to sign a three-year deal. And there's, I've been checking on Twitter that, that Arsenal, they've been sort of trolling and um, just replaying Aubameyang's goal in the FA Cup final. And, and the, the, the replies are like, announce Aubameyang. Announce Aubameyang. It's it. I think I think the deal's done now, and I think he's staying for another uh, two years. Um, and it's just it's great to see it um, because I mean, like I said, terrible season but amazing finish. Um. Yeah. So I think I think the FA Cup win was definitely. Um, it was well-deserved. It seemed a little odd, though, because they, they did play so terrible in the league and everywhere else, but they did very well in the FA Cup. And I think um, the, the thing with Arsenal is that they're, um, they have these like, moments where they get really high up and they, you know, they, win, they win a game against like, the champions and then, you know, and then they lose an easy game. And I think that fi- it's going to be about finding the rhythm and finding the... Uh, the, the winning team, I guess, the, the, te- the, the formula that works, the, the team that will, um, that will really get you the goals, keep them out and, you know, get you to a place you want to be. And I think that it's, it's really going to be about um, if either Arteta can find a way to improve the defenders he has or get the, def- get some new defenders um, because the ones that he has are like, they were prospects but they're aging, um, and I'm talking about like Rob Holding or, um, or uh, you know, um, Callum. No, Callum, not Callum Chambers. But a lot of these like sort of the good, the good defenders that they had, they were hyping up. They they ended up injured, or they ended up on loan, or they ended up not doing very well when they did get the play. And so I think that um, it it really they built the team around. They're, they, they, they're sort of in a rebuild stage. They're in an in-between phase and they have a trophy to show for it, which is very good. But um, I think that, you know, it's going to be about how do they move forward and how do they not like regress because signing Obama on an extension is good, but he's 30 or 31 and he, you know, he's not going to live forever. He's not going to carry your team forever. He, they, they need to find, you know, people to fill the gaps and, you know, um, a good, a good enough, re- not maybe not replacement, but deputy to Aubameyang, where then, when that they can, um, you know, rely on someone else to get the goals instead of just Aubameyang. Yeah, I, I mean, that's. I think it's a totally like accurate assessment. Uh, but you know, I think at the same time, though, it, it seemed in the game that Arsenal really had this uh, very like, uh, you know, it, you know, it was a team, right? It wasn't a bunch of individuals, uh, you know. Even though like our Obama Yang scored those two goals, um, you know, and it was only him that scored the two goals. At the same time, I mean, 
amazing performances from everybody. You know, Nico Rosklot Pippe and and uh, uh, Bellerin again was a great you know great player. So you know, they I, I think they really dished out this um, you know a, a really a, you know a team performance. So I, I think we can totally see uh, Arsenal rebuild, especially uh, you know amid all of these teams doing like not that great. You know, we see like Tottenham's not doing so great. I'm really sorry, Tom, but it's the truth. Um, and, you know, I mean, Chelsea, you know, their defense is like meh. So really there's, you know, there is space for Arsenal to improve. I think, I think honestly, it's a one-off for Arsenal. I mean, they were really going for that game. Whereas when you looked at Chelsea, they were a bit uh, tired based on their performance on the Premier League. And they were focusing on actually playing a European Cup, which Arsenal wasn't. You know, now Arsenal on holidays. And until yesterday, Chelsea were still focused on actually playing European football. And you're going to look at Arsenal. If nothing changes next year, they're going to perform pretty much the same. I mean, they're going to go up a bit, maybe from 10th to 8th. But let's face it, European football is not going to be so great for them. Uh, no offense, Luca, on that point, but you're stuck with me in Europa League. But I don't go for it. But good job, uh, good game on that game. I'd have to respectfully disagree with you, Tom. I think they took the game very seriously um, because it's not like they were resting their key players. Um, I mean, they're... There were a few injuries, right? But, I mean, the the Champions League game was, I mean, yesterday, right? But the FA Cup final was August 1st. So, I mean, you can't really say they're not taking it seriously because, um, I mean, they're focusing on Champions League. I, I think that um, they uh, Chelsea really wanted to make a statement in that game that, um Arsenal were were too confident but I mean at the end of the day Arsenal won it and Chelsea lost so I mean uh, overall it's not a huge win for Arsenal Europa League isn't very you know it's not very rewarding and um I mean come on Luka though you guys have more trophies than Tottenham did under Pochettino so (laughs) I mean Uh uh it's pretty crazy it's pretty crazy well but uh, but overall, I mean, uh, a lot of confidence in the Arsenal team. And talking about the defense of Arsenal, we have uh, young William Saliba coming from Saint-Étienne. Uh, it was a good transfer uh, because it was made last year for $30 million and his value has gone up. Um, and he, he has the potential to turn into something. Uh, but And also uh, Gabriel coming from Lille. Uh, which is almost done. Uh, we'll see if it happens or not. Um, but the, these players are super young, and they're like I like I said before, like unproven. So you're 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 kind of testing um, uh, how good these players are if if you start them. So uh, if you if they develop them right, amazing deals. But not like bringing in someone like Upa Meccano who could get the job done, right? But I think, no, that those are good points. I mean, they had to do something about their defense and they're doing it well. If the Gabriel transfer goes through, they're going to have a strong defense. 
Going back to the FA Cup game, Chelsea pretty much shot themselves in the foot once there was the red card because you're not going to beat a team that has such a momentum by playing 10 against 11 and being half tired and half asleep. But other than that, I think Arsenal, if Arsenal are able to play on their strength and not take stupid goals and actually play good football, which is yet to be proven, they can do something. But based on what I saw in the past, since the restart and even before that, Arsenal right now do not have the potential to go far in Europa League or even in Premier League. Yeah, I mean, as suspected, the Tottenham fan, the Arsenal fan uh, disagree. That's okay. Um, I mean, it really, you know, regardless of what we think, I mean, it really remains to be seen uh, whether Arsenal can uh, live up to the expectations set this season with the win in the FA Cup. But... You know, thanks guys so much for, for talking with, you know, talking with me, having this conversation today. Uh, really great ideas. Uh, yeah. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Miles. Again, thank you so much to everybody that participated in today's podcast. Uh, to our guests, Max Bordero, Luca Bacci, and Tom Clare. This podcast is produced by Tom, Mark, and Graham Foote. I'm Miles Bratier. Stay safe.